Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. All right, America, this is Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. And if it sounds a little bit different today, that's because we are broadcasting from a different location that is not 17 floors above Madison Square Garden. In fact, this morning, I was below Madison Square Garden in Penn Station on the Amtrak concourse because I had to tend to some business. Apparently, Bolshevik Bill de Blasio is too busy canceling the St. Patrick's Day Parade and can't put enough cops on the street to keep businesses safe. Now, as many of you guys know, my family has a business in Penn Station in New York City. But last night, one of the many mentally ill homeless people in New York City decided to take a swing at a video monitor that we have on the wall that's mounted to the kiosk that we have inside Penn Station putting a little bit of a ding in the screen and messing things up. So I had to go in early and uh, speak with the Amtrak police. So big shout out to Scott from the Amtrak police. Thanks for your help today. And there is so much going on. Now, as promised, we're going to talk a little bit about the coronavirus because, again, I don't want to bombard anybody with that stuff. Everywhere you turn, you're hearing different things. And they range from, it's the flu. Wash your hands. Just wash your hands. To, it's the Black Plague. It's the Spanish flu. It's not the Wuhan corona flu or virus because months ago you could call it that, right? Or years ago or even weeks ago, but you can't call it that anymore because apparently last night after President Trump addressed the nation saying that this is a foreign virus. This is the most aggressive and comprehensive effort to confront a foreign virus in modern history. He was immediately criticized. Jim Acosta decided to bring it to Trump, saying that the foreign virus comment smacks of xenophobia. This is the comment that he made. At one point during this address, uh, the president referred to the coronavirus as a, quote, foreign virus. Uh, that, that, I think, was interesting because, as I was talking to sources earlier this evening, one of the points that the president wanted to make tonight, wanted to get across to Americans, is that this virus did not start here, uh, but that they're dealing with it. Now, why the president would uh, go as far as to describe it as a foreign virus, that is something we'll also be asking questions about. But it, it should be pointed out that Stephen Miller, uh, who is an immigration hardliner, who advises the president, is uh, one of his top domestic policy advisors and speechwriters, right. uh, was a driving force in writing this speech. And I think it's going to smack, uh, it's going to come across to a lot of Americans as smacking of uh, xenophobia, uh, to use that kind of term in this speech, Chris. I think it's apparent to most people that Jim Acosta hates Donald Trump. Trump can't do anything right in the eyes of Jim Acosta. CNN and everybody there despises Donald Trump. I get it, and it's clear. 
But at some point, we do have to kind of rally around our country, right? Rally around the flag. Because there's a whole lot of everything going on. I mean, just looking at some headlines. The NBA, the NHL, MLB have all delayed their opening day. The Federal Reserve Bank of New York announces $1.5 trillion in stimulus. The NCAA has also canceled March Madness. Then Trump comes up with this plan to put everything out there. And in true Trumpian fashion, he handles it like a businessman. He says, hey, we're going to help fund these businesses. We're going to do this. We're going to put money out there so people aren't out of work. People aren't starving. Because that's where the real panic sets in. People don't want to die and people don't want to be broke. The key to success here is to realize that this is a challenging situation, but it's not the end of the world. However, the Democrats are taking advantage of this, trying to squeeze in every last bit of pork that they can into this bill. They got together and put the bill together in about 12 hours. So now President Trump is saying that he's likely to veto the FISA reform bill, and I'm guessing the Democrats are going to try and hold that against him with this coronavirus relief bill because that's how they play politics in Washington. It's your money or your life, literally. That said, Speaker Nancy Pelosi says, hmm, I'm not going to stick around to argue with these guys. If they don't want to pass the bill as is, that's fine. I'm out. She's willing to cut and run. That woman would have slept on a cot in her office during the impeachment during those hearings, but something where the American people really need her and for her to coalesce her team, her caucus, she says, I'm ready to go. That was her statement. And after denying all of these rumors, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar says that she is going to marry, or excuse me, has married the gentleman that she was having an affair with from her campaign, who's on her campaign payroll. That's more important than handling the coronavirus funding bill, for sure. I tell you, it's a really sad state of affairs in Washington. The president literally doesn't sleep, does everything that needs to be done. Some would argue he doesn't, that he's late to the game and he should have done more, but I think that criticism is unfounded. President Trump closed down travel to China, shut down travel to many parts of Europe, and is thinking ahead to ease the pressure financially. And it's been said, but it's worth repeating, that when Trump decided to enact a travel ban for China, the Democrats were busy at work trying to impeach him back in February. This is why it comes as no surprise when you have Senator Bernie Sanders crashing and burning. And he literally knows it. He sees it. He's even commented on it. In his comment, here's what he says. We are losing the debate over electability. I cannot tell you how many people our campaign has spoken to who have said, and I quote, I like what your campaign stands for. I agree with what your campaign stands for. But I'm going to vote for Joe Biden because I think Joe is the best candidate to defeat Donald Trump that we're losing the battle or the debate on electability. That's what this is all about. When you run a campaign for the 2020 presidential election, of course it's about electability. What else is it going to be about? 
Well, for Sanders, it's about changing the hearts and minds and winning the hearts and minds of people who don't believe in socialism. He wants to win them over to his side. And people like Jim Acosta, they lay the cover fire in Bernie's ideological war for the hearts and minds of Americans with his attacks, his relentless attacks on the president and vis-a-vis attacks on America and attacks on you and me. You know, this morning... As I was headed into Penn Station, I was streaming the Bernie and Sid show on WABC, Talk Radio 77 WABC in New York City. I always love listening to my bald brothers, my baldy bros, and they played a great montage of cable news pundits from MSNBC and CNN and their experts, including Dr. Sanjay, whatever his last name is. And I thought it was interesting because... Gupta, excuse me, Sanjay Gupta, because they were all referring to this virus as the Wuhan virus or the Chinese coronavirus. This is all happening at a time that we're starting to see a message shift here because you're starting to hear the Republicans, especially Trump Co., calling it the Wuhan or the Chinese coronavirus. They're looking for someone to blame. Concern is growing this morning over an outbreak of a new SARS-like virus in China. At least six people have died from the Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. The 34-year-old ophthalmologist diagnosed Saturday with the Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan virus. The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. What more can you tell us about the similarities or differences between SARS and the Wuhan coronavirus? The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus in China. The Wuhan uh, coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. And the Wuhan uh, coronavirus. Wuhan coronavirus. Fears continue to grow over the outbreak of the Wuhan coronavirus. Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. We have new information about how the Wuhan coronavirus is spread. Tying coronavirus to China and Chinese people isn't just a racist dog whistle. It's a whole racist orchestra. It's a mighty, mighty racist boss tone. Yet when President Trump last night from his Oval Office address made that remark that this was a foreign virus, Acosta steps in and says it smacks of xenophobia, immediately gaining the support of every detractor that the president's ever had. Because they don't care if he does something good for America. They only care about taking shots at this guy. I mean, it's just one attack, honestly, on America after another. Because Trump will come and go, but their ideology will continue. The next guy that's president, if it's not the guy they want, they're going to come after him again the same way, perhaps more viciously, because he may not be as equipped to handle the criticism. He may not be as equipped to do the job. We don't know. None of us are fortune tellers. But it was really remarkable and humorous and sad at the same time to hear all of these people saying, you know, the Wuhan virus, the China virus, Yet, if you were to say that today, you'd be the bad guy. And this is just coverage from a few weeks ago. One attack after another. And the attacks aren't just on the nomenclature of the virus, but on the virus and the damage itself. You have some people saying, look, we honestly don't know. This Dr. Fauci, right? He said in his most recent comment yesterday that the flu has a 0.4 or 0.1 mortality rating And the Wuhan virus, coronavirus, COVID-19 is somewhere in the area of 3.4%. 
but in actuality, it's more like 1%, saying that's still 10 times as strong in terms of mortality, fatality, and 10 times as contagious. So that definitely makes it more than, it's the flu, just wash your hands. Yeah, keep washing your hands, but it's not your average flu. It's definitely more contagious, a lot easier to get. So it would be worth all of our while to learn a little bit more about infection control. Now, speaking of that, and speaking of coronavirus and whether this is the common cold or critical condition, I have a story I'm going to share with you. I was in the studio at the broadcast center at CBS News. We use studio space there. And I was walking down the hall and I see a guy covering his face and he's telling his colleague next to him, he's like, I don't know. I don't know. They said we could telecommute. So I told everybody they could go home and, uh, you know, tomorrow we're telecommuting. Now it was about four o'clock. So it was time for people to leave anyway. I take a few more steps. I see another group of guys and now they're there saying, so what are you going to do? And one guy says to the other guy, he's wearing like a, an Oxford shirt and khakis and loafers. He says, well, I don't know. I'm, you know, they said that uh, people could go home and telecommute, so uh, maybe we'll go home. But you can't go home because you've got to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm thinking, oh, okay. I wonder what's going on. I keep walking. I see another guy on his cell phone. And I hear him saying, I don't know. All I know is that they said they found it in the building across the street. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. And I'm thinking, man, this don't look good. This don't sound good. Old friend of mine, Peter Padro, he told me once, something wrong <laughs> in his Puerto Rican accent. So I said, you know what? Something wrong. Then I get there and I tell Mr. Producer and I say, hey, you know, it sounds like, you know, something's going down. And lo and behold, we do a little snooping around. We find out that an internal memo went out from the president of CBS to all of the CBS employees, which we're not. Uh, we're in an isolated part of the broadcast center, close to the lower level. It's very cut off from the rest of the building, so it's the radio operations center, and they don't really do a lot of radio there. So we don't really have a, a line into their feed on employee news. But the guidance from the president of CBS was, we're going to start, this evening, overnight, fumigating, well, not fumigating, but disinfecting and sanitizing the entire building because two CBS employees that are up on like the ninth floor or the fifth floor were found to test positive for coronavirus. Now, I don't know if these guys were TV anchors or cameramen that were on location and came back from an overseas assignment. I don't know because, again, we're not close to that TV section. I do know that we don't really commingle with any of those people, so we're pretty in the clear as far as you know being within 10 feet of somebody that's infected, that's coughing or breathing on you. Now, be that as it may, the show must go on. So, you know, we do our thing, put in our work, and then it's time to go. And when we leave, the cleaning crew was already there. 
but they didn't look like janitors. They looked like astronauts. <laughs> so they're like spraying and doing what they do in their hazmat suits. And I really didn't get that glimpse. Um, Mr. Producer was able to see them on over on the left, and I went uh, to, to the right to check into the other office. But I was encouraged to see that they were taking these very aggressive steps. Now, some people are thinking, well, you should be scared. You should... I'm not scared. And I told you a couple episodes ago, I'm not getting this thing. The reason I'm so confident is, A, because I, for those of you that listen to This Is America a lot, you probably know that I was with my parents and spent between seven and 10 years, depending on which parent we're talking about, with them in the final days of their life, helping them to not be in a nursing home so that they could be at home with their respective illnesses and have that level of dignity. And I was with each of my parents as they took their last breath, holding their hands. Not something I like to get into. It's not great podcast material, but it's real. And I learned a lot about infection control, a lot about viral versus antibacterial type of uh, medication and, and how to try to avoid these things because my mother had an autoimmune disease uh, called dermopolymyositis, which prompted pulmonary fibrosis. And not to get into you know her entire medical history, but uh, she couldn't breathe well. And it was, her own immune system attacked how she breathed and it would give her gout attacks and things like that. So I learned about this stuff years ago and how to kind of stay up on it to make life better for her. I've maintained the the skill set that I've learned to stay away from people that you that can be ill, how, how I touch things, where I touch things, how often I wash my hands. You guys know I was a barber and as a barber, you know, I was I had a very busy barber shop. We had about 100 clients a day. I did about 20 of those a day. Washing my hands 20 times a day is not something unheard of for me. It's a habit that I've had for a very long time and I'm not a germaphobe in any way. Now, I went on that tangent to say, I'm not getting this thing. And I know that because I kind of avoid it. I know, you know, if I, anybody even looks like they're kind of coughing or what have you, I will find the way to get away, <laughs> to not be in the trajectory of their cough as best I can. The other reason I'm very confident is because I too was at CPAC. As you guys know, I was a speaker. I was a speaker on Friday and I was there Saturday when the president gave his presentation. And it was terrific. It was terrific then. It's still terrific today. I haven't felt better. If you think I sound good, I look even better, right? So I know that I'm okay because it's been, I don't know, 20 days, 18 days, something like that. And I haven't had a single sniffle. So thank God. I thank God for that. I thank God for a great immune system. I thank God for all of those things. Bottom line is, yes, washing our hands is important. And I don't downplay it in any way. Having a mask can be very helpful. In particular, if you are sick to, you know, as the experts are saying on television, sick people should be wearing masks because their spittle or any type of spray from their sputum can help you catch a virus. So you want to stay away from people that are like that. And this is why they're pushing social distancing, which is an interesting term. Now, some people are speculating, saying, look, this is, this is all part of the plan because they want to take down the Trump rallies. Perhaps I wouldn't put it past any evil detractor of the president's to think that way. 
but it doesn't minimize our responsibility to our own health to protect ourselves and the elderly and young that are around us. So while you or me or someone else may be able to fight this off because we're young enough, or even if we're in our late 40s and early 50s and we're able to fight it off and you know, if you do get sick and you have that high success rate, where you fight that off and how you fight it off are just as important. Because while you might recover, you might get somebody else sick. So infection control principles and the types of barriers and shields you use, whether a paper hospital gown may not do the trick the way a plastic hospital gown would. Because again, you're dealing with liquid that can go airborne. So just a few things that I've learned over the years, and I'm, I'm a talk radio guy, right? So I'm not, I'm not a doctor. School of Hard Knocks taught me a lot of things about the medical field, about infection control, and uh, I wanted to share those with you and encourage you because too many people are running scared. And the bottom line is I was at CPAC. There was a coronavirus person there. I'm okay, and so are 4,999 other people that were there. I was at CBS. And they did not evacuate the building the way the fake news media has been reporting. They did say telecommute so we can shut this place down and clean it. And that's what they're doing as we speak. And I'll be back in a couple of days for the next podcast to give you another update and tell you how things are going. But I can tell you that when I was at Penn Station, 17 floors below Madison Square Garden, that there was a lot less people traveling. There were some trains coming in from Canada which I found interesting that you can't fly to certain places in Europe, but you can take an Amtrak train to and from Canada. So that's some food for thought. And they've canceled the Acela, so that's the express Amtrak train that runs from Penn Station, New York, straight to Washington, D.C. Union Station. But the local one is still running, the one that stops in Delaware and whatnot and takes like an hour more. That's a head-scratcher. Hmm, I'm not too sure about the logic behind that one. Maybe above my pay grade, perhaps. I don't know. What I do know, I think to myself, like my buddy Peter Padro, I say, hmm, something wrong. So the bottom line here, we don't want to downplay this, I think, as it's just the flu, wash your hands, because that's all I hear around the city. I mean, some people are just like, you know, so adamant about it, and I'm thinking, ah, it's all right, you know what? Uh, I'm Right now I'm in Jersey, and uh, things are all right in Jersey. There's one death versus, you know, other places where there's multiple deaths. It's um, one of those things that's kind of hit or miss. But we will be back bringing you This Is America from WABC, 17 floors above Madison Square Garden, once we're done heaping out spoons full of abundance of caution. But for now, that's what we need to do, and that's what we're going to do. So like always, rely on the facts. And if you need facts about pretty much everything under the sun, not particularly coronavirus, but anything under the sun, you want to go to JustFacts.com, F-A-C-T-S, JustFacts.com. It's a great website. You can literally spend between the videos and the research papers that they put together with primary source data. So they're not speculating. They're getting it right from the source. JustFacts.com, I highly recommend it. You can also sign up for their newsletter. Whenever there's brand new stuff coming out from JustFacts, they'll email it to you. So just go to JustFacts.com slash rich, and that's yours for free. Another fact that you can take to the bank is that partisans are going to be partisans no matter what. And left-wing progressives, radicals, like 
our favorite congresswoman from New York, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, will always do what they do. So it only makes sense that she's demanding that the government distribute UBI, universal basic income, to implement Medicare so that everyone can fight the coronavirus. Because I just talked about washing your hands and being around people that are ill, and she's talking about having money in your pocket, i.e. money that comes from the government, more tax dollars. That's how you're going to fight the coronavirus. Now, again, I agree that we do need some sort of a financial safety net. We want to protect our markets. We ideally don't want to cancel all of these money-making things that we do and you know shut down hotels and shut down big tourist attractions. But that's the choice that some are making, and not so much even because of medical concerns, because I've spoken to some people. As a matter of fact, yesterday briefly I spoke uh, with uh, Herb Stupp. He was the um, commissioner on aging to Mayor Rudy Giuliani in the city of New York and worked very closely with him uh, when they had their epidemic and back in the 90s. And it had a very high impact on the aging population. So he was very, very intricately involved with the Commission of Health at the time. And he's going to be 70 and told me that he was going, and he's not anymore, but he was going to the March Madness game today at the Garden, and uh, which has been canceled. And he was just going to be wearing gloves and making sure that he took the right precautions. But he's, he wasn't afraid to go to the public gathering is the point that I'm making. And neither should you. If you have some sort of predisposition, then yeah, go for it. It's not a medical concern per se, the experts are saying. It's really a financial one. It's I'm not going to rent the place out and pay for all the staff and do all of this for three people to show up because I'm not going to make the money. The arena is not going to be able to foot, to foot the bill to pay for every vendor that works at the counter where they're selling hot dogs and popcorn and beers and not making any money. They need the crowd. And without the crowd, there's no money. So it makes it like when restaurants aren't busy, they send employees home. Same principle. So these are financial decisions that you're seeing people make when they decide, hey, I'm shutting this down. This event isn't going to happen. And it's not because they're afraid of coronavirus. They're afraid of losing money. This is why we have to keep the flow of money going. We have to continue to live our lives and do what we've got to do and be smart about it. And that's all I've got. Until the next one, America, like I always say, my quote from Hamilton, if you stand for nothing, you will absolutely fall for anything. So don't read something, know something. You got to do this stuff. Otherwise, like my father would always tell me, te va a coger de pendejo. Again, I'm not translating that one. You got to figure that one out on your own. I will leave you with the words of Sir Edmund Burke. All that's necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to do nothing. So do something, America, and do it safely. I'm Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. 